Hello and welcome to episode 209 of MLS Aces podcast. Uh, here, I'm Vaughn Pullman, joined by no other than Uncle Sam Nelson. Sam, how are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Vaughn? I'm doing well. How was your Christmas? Good. Have a good uh, one? It was, it was very good. It was very good. It's been a good couple days. How, have you, how about you? Yeah, no, very nice here in uh, North Carolina. It was like 70 degrees, did an outdoor Christmas with family. Mm. Uh, it was very nice. Uh, global warming is a real thing, uh, <coughs> for sure, for sure. For sure. Uh, but yeah, no, very, very low-key uh, and, and just trying to stay safe out there. Uh, obviously, we're missing Tom this evening uh, as well as uh, Jason. So uh, it's going to be just myself and Sam here this evening. Just the two of uh, us. It's a first. T- Taking the wheel. Hey, this is a great way for us to wrap up 2021 uh, and and head into 2022. Um, but yeah, uh, Tom, Tom wanted us to get a little episode in, talk about some of the moves that have happened in MLS and some of the big ones that are clearly pending. Uh, looks like some yeah. some really big moves happening in MLS heading into the new year. Uh, so we're going to chat through some of that. But before we jump into everything, let's give some uh, love to our sponsors out there. Uh, Tom is the one that knows this speech real well, but we'll do our best to thank Soccer 90 because this episode is brought to you by Soccer 90 and Added Time Outfitters. Uh, I believe you can go to either one uh, and use code MLS ACES and get a nice little discount, support us here at the podcast. Uh, Soccer 90 is a great site to get all of your soccer gear. You could probably get a Liverpool jersey like I'm wearing here myself. Uh, or at Added Time Outfitters, you can get some cool uh, wristbands to commemorate your favorite moments from your favorite teams. Um, and you also should go ahead and follow us uh, at MLS Aces. Uh, I know you, you can look down below our names here. I'm at VI Pullman. <laughs> you got Uncle Sam, at Uncle Sam. Is that 13? Yeah, it's 13, but in Roman numerals because I'm fancy. <laughs> What's the significance of the 13? That's my lucky number. It's the number I always have whenever I played sports. It's it's just followed me. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's also the year I graduated that... from high school, so is that helps. So there's some significance there. There's, there's some, some significance, significance, yeah. It's everyone else's unlucky number, so I took it on to be my lucky number. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and yeah, I, I we can, you can also follow us at MLS Aces on Twitter, MLS underscore Aces on Instagram, and check us out, MLSAces.com. Uh, support us, support the show, website, everything. Uh, and also go check us out and support us uh, on Patreon, patreon.com backslash MLS Aces. So now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, let's jump in to the fun stuff and let's talk a little bit about MLS moves. And we should definitely start. This is why I wore my Liverpool jersey. I didn't have a Toronto FC jersey, so I had to go <laughs> with something red. red, something red. Toronto FC, uh, it's reported. It looks like the deal is done. Terms are set for uh, current Italian national team forward and Napoli captain Lorenzo Insigne coming to Toronto this summer. Um, this is this is some big news. Big news. Thir- 30 years Massive. old, in his prime. Uh, we're we're going to talk about where this falls in terms of uh, biggest MLS moves. What's your reaction to a guy like Insigne making it to MLS, Sam? Oh, it it was at first very shocking, honestly. So you started to see the reports a couple uh, 
couple weeks ago that his agent was in Toronto to watch a game and talk with representatives out there. And I was like, there's, there's no way someone's itching to get more money. I just, I can't imagine Insigne, like the player that Insigne is to come to MLS. And then you start seeing Fabrizio Romano reporting it and you're just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's how, you know. So, so once he said that, I was like, here we go. Right. Um, but it, it's a big move. Like he's, you know, one, a lot in Napoli, one for the Italian national team. He's a very, very good player. And like you said, he's in his prime and he's going to be um, expected to do a lot for a Bob Bradley team that needs to rebuild. Well, I th- I, actually, this will be a one, one season rebuild. This is, yeah, it's ready. The, he's ready it, now. It's, it's built. It's built yeah, right now. He, like, he got built. I, and it's still, it's going to be interesting to see how they shape the rest of the roster around him, right? Because they're, they're still talking yeah. about bringing in Bellotti. Uh, yep, saw that you still today. have, you still have Pozuelo out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like Soteldo's on the move. Sounds like, uh, Altador's yep. on the move. Uh, but they still have Michael Bradley. I mean, th- this roster, uh, he, we, we thought that they were contenders this past year. So clearly yep. ownership knows they, they've got to do something major. Um, and, and the numbers around Insigne's contract, I, I, I don't have them in front of me, but it was insane. I, it was something like. He was going to be more than the salary of an entire uh, MLS roster. Like it's like twelve million. <laughs> it's like twelve million for, up front plus some. But yeah, like the and with incentives. I mean, he could yep. dwarf entire MLS rosters uh, just having Insigne there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could run down the list of of his accolades. I mean, he's won everywhere he's gone. He's he's a regular with the Italian national team, right? Fifty three caps for Italy, ten goals, ten assists won the 2021 euros with Italy. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously he's going to be part of the mix heading into the world. uh, Well, I guess they're in the the playoffs (laughs) outside. Oh, that's true right now. So we'll see. (laughs) But they're going to try to make the world cup, but Hey, this is the thing. Like this is a a guy coming over from Italy, uh, like Javinko coming to MLS in his prime. And that did not work out so well for Javinko and the Italian national team. He really worked his way out of things. I don't think that's going to happen here for Insigne. Um, but the timing of it, I mean, he's coming over in May and the, in win in winter, right. They got Qatar. So, yeah. uh, even just the travel, like being in the U S and be having to, or, or Canada and having to travel over to, to Qatar, uh, right after the season. Um, and, and I'm sure that there's going to be the lead up games getting ready and, and everything like that. Um, that's going to be pretty rough for Insigne. Now, where do you think this signing of Insigne falls in terms of big MLS arrivals, right? Like comparing the names, there's the, for at least Toronto, you've got Javinko, uh, mm-hmm. but you've got the Robbie Keens, you've got the Carlos Velas, Clint Dempsey, uh, Kaka, David Beckham. I mean, there, there are some big guys that have made some big real uh, big decisions to come to MLS. This feels like it's in that same territory. So where do yeah. you think this falls in terms of like the biggest MLS signing? I'd say this, I mean, in all honesty, there's something different about this in my head. Like this is this is really big. Like David Beckham was probably the biggest, will probably remain the biggest because that really changed MLS culture. That that put eyes on the league in a, in a way um, that most signings just don't. Like you know, at the end of the day, my dad knows who David Beckham was. My dad does not know who Lorenzo Insigne is, but um, he's an amazing player in his prime, like we, like we've been saying, and he's going to do big things. Beckham, Beckham was 32 and it was kind of the slowdown of his career at that point. This is a man who's going to be gunning to win trophies 
from the day he steps on the field day one. And so this is kind of like the Carlos Vela is kind of like in the same range, a guy who's coming over at a, a good age, ready to, to make a big move and kind of work his way from there. Um, also on this list that we have in front of us, uh, Robbie Keane was a really big one for LA at that point. I, I do kind of liken it to that because Robbie Keane was still scoring goals for Tottenham at that point and was, he was on the way out with Jermaine Defoe becoming better. And then Jermaine Defoe came over like two years later. Um, it seems like, seems like this has got to be top three to me, like realistically top three. Oh, I, I have to agree. It, it's got to be in that top three range. I, I think the argument can be made that it's the top one. I don't think in terms of like overall impact, it's going to be yeah. a, a, a number one. Um, I think Beckham is, it, I, I don't know how you even overcome the Beckham move for, for impact on the league. I just um, remember overall. how everyone marketed that. Like when Beckham came over and the marketing and the commercials you saw on TV about it, nothing will ever compare. Well, no, and we're, and we're still seeing the effects of it, right? Like there's yeah. an, another franchise in Miami and <laughs> the, yeah, there's literally. still all, and, and, and now for Miami, there's all of the connections of other players wanting to come uh, and, and play for Beckham's team and get to Miami. And they're, it's, they're always in the tabloids in England. Like the, yeah. the Beckham effect is really, really real. Um, and I think that's where Insigne can do the same in, in probably the Italian market, right? Like that's, I think that's the right. big thing here is that you're, you're drawing a, a whole other set of fans into things. Um, I think the biggest thing here for me is the pressure that is going to be on Toronto to come oh, out yeah. of the gates hot. Um, I mean, this is going to be Bob Bradley having to uh, replicate uh, greatness in Toronto uh, with still a roster that you're not going to get Insigne until the summer. So he's mm-hmm. going to have to come in uh, in the middle of things. You're, you're going to have uh, a, a new style trying to be developed, new players, new new everything. Um, and, and the pressure is going to be on for everyone to perform. And for Insigne, anything less than an MVP level <laughs> like like uh, yeah seriously, the, so. the pressure is like you've got to contribute 30 to 40 goals in a 34 game season yeah like anything short of that and it's going to be bashed like why mm-hmm. he he is going to be bashed not only domestically uh but also like globally like oh, absolutely the, the <laughs> italian media will not hold back and i don't think he will struggle with that in any way like i right. think uh, the, the way Javinko dominated the headlines uh, when he came to Toronto and, and totally mm-hmm. changed uh, the way that, that the entire league was viewed, I think. Um, and CNA can have that same effect. Uh, and, and I think that this is the good sign here is that MLS teams are still willing to make these moves, right? Like I've kind of yeah. felt that we for about two seasons now, we've kind of lost some of that star power, right? Like mm-hmm. we got the Carlos Vela signing and Carlos Vela yeah. was outstanding, but he's been having his injuries we had the tw- weird 22, 2020 season, 2021, yeah. he was a non-factor. Chicharito came in, you know, like Chicharito that was, wasn't... That wasn't great. No, he wasn't what we were all expecting. Yeah. We, we we don't have Zlatan in the league anymore. He could maybe mm-hmm. be in the same conversation of big MLS arrivals. Um, so I feel That's like true, this is yeah. a big move of like getting a big name in the league again. Yeah. Right? Like I, I think that's the most important thing here is that we've kind of missed out on that for a couple seasons. And this feels like, Hey, we're getting back into it now. Um, yeah. In, in terms well, of like global stage. Right. And it's, it's a big thing too. Cause he clearly, he was turning down an offer from Napoli to stay as their captain. And I know that there were offers, you know, in other leagues or in 
Europe that wanted him. Like he's a very good player. And for him to say, no, I'm going to go to MLS. Um, like that's, that's a big deal, especially like you said, in a world cup year, like he, I mean, he's going to be fighting for that, for a spot. Like that's, that's important because most guys will just find another team that they can just play on for the year before the world cup to guarantee a spot. Well, I think that's probably where his move is being called into question the most is ambition, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's still this perception of MLS in the global market uh, and of players uh, coming to MLS as like their retirement option. And we're talking about him coming in his prime, leaving Syria to play in MLS. Um, And is that the right move? for Insigne and is he making that move because he's lacking ambition like he's trying to take the easy road or is this him wanting to make a legacy uh in in another market uh and and let's use that to kind of segue uh Sam wanted uh, Sam excuse me Tom (laughs) wanted us to hit on uh this ESPN FC article there I apologize uh but yeah this ESPN FC article I don't know if anyone saw it um, but yeah, trash ass ESPN FC, uh, post Drop it. Just, uh. that's that, that is what, uh, Tom <laughs> wanted us to use. Uh, so basically it was a pretty bad misquote of Sebastian Javinko. Um, the, the quote yeah. was, it's not real football. That's something else talking about MLS. However, they've got good infrastructure and I'd make the decision again, especially for those numbers. Now the real <laughs> that's club, an ugly quote. <laughs> it, it's pretty ugly. Like it's, they it, made it well, look so bad. And coming from ESPN FC, that's like the main uh, broadcast partner for Major League Soccer. Yep, N- not super. And I believe they weren't even talking about the the big move of Insigne yet. Like, there's nothing on ESPN yeah. about it. Um, but the real quote uh, per Robert Abramowitz was the the soccer is different. The facilities are excellent. I would do it again, especially if the numbers are the same. Talking about the money. Uh, They are uh, experiences I would recommend the world over. There is no point in making fun of it. I would do it again. Much better light of Different quote. (laughs) Different quote, different meaning, different subtext to that. Um, I tend to believe that the quote from Abramowitz is probably a little bit closer to what Javinko said. Yeah. Um, and, And I think... I think the reason that it still is spun that way by ESPN is that there are still people out there, uh, like we were talking about, that the perception of MLS is that it's a subpar league, that it is not built or suited for the best talent of the world. And a player of Insigne's level coming to Major League Soccer is a life decision, uh, not one of ambition, not one of trying to further one's uh, career pursuits. I tend to disagree, but we're a little biased. We're MLS yeah. stands. So, uh, what did you think about the the two <laughs> versions of Javinko's uh, words and ultimately the perception of MLS? Well, it's kind of shocking, like because when you just see the ESPN uh, tweet, you go, "Okay, this dude like destroyed the league." That's true, and he was destroying. You know, um, Mexican teams at that point, too. Like, he was doing very well in the CONCACAF Champions League. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, the infrastructure is good. But, like, you know, I don't know. Something, it does feel off. And then when you, you scroll through all the threads and you see that's not what he really said. Yeah, like, the soccer is different. Like, MLS is different. The play style is different. That That's absolutely right. But we, we do have some, 
really good facilities. Most of the teams, especially the newer teams, are are building these world class training facilities and these world class stadiums. Like it is, it's a good league, and he did very well there. And I think he acknowledges that he has a real legacy in MLS, and that I don't think Giovinco is the kind of guy who would just shit on the league just because he made a bunch of money and then didn't care. I just don't see that like him. But it does shock me that ESPN, an American company, like is so readily available to do stuff like this a lot. It's very strange to me. I mean, ultimately, right? Like they're in the media business. You're uh, right. A- any media can be good media, right? Yeah. Like we're talking about it, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, uh, like, you make a good point. There's a conversation <laughs> happening now. Um, yeah. Was ESPN's take the right one? Was Javinko's take the right one? Um, at the end of the day, right? Like the way I view it, Major League Soccer has to make moves, right? Like where where is the line? So if if they have to overspend a little bit to make a signing uh, to get a guy like Insigne here, all right, they they have to overspend. I yeah. think in time uh, that that perception of Major League Soccer is going to change. Where uh, when we're competing on the global market, it's not as Money's not the only thing that speaks to get the guy here, right? Exactly. It's, it's going to be the facilities. It's going to be the coaching. It's going to be the opportunities. It's going to be the amenities. It's going to be the quality of life. Um, and I think Major League Soccer is making strides, right? Like it, this is yeah. this hasn't happened overnight. And and eventually, eventually down the road, uh, the goal is going to be that this sort of signing isn't reserved for the top three positions on a roster. Right, that that you can do this up and down a complete roster, and then yeah, Major League Soccer is going to be one of the top leagues in the world when they can afford to have the insignias top to bottom, and and it makes financial sense. But even right now, you look at the European leagues, and you've got teams that are going into financial ruin over yeah. over the 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 wages that they have to support for for the world's greatest talent. Um, and, and I don't think anybody has it figured out quite right yet. Um, yet. like like it changes. It's, it's a living organism, right? Like there was a period of time in history where England w- was top, then Italy was top, then Germany was top, right? Like these leagues are going to ebb and flow and there's going to be yeah. global competition in those regards. Yep. So for major league soccer to be a player in the, in the game and to be in the conversation and to even have the means to make this happen. I love it. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, this wouldn't have happened three years ago. It, I mean, it might have happened, but it, it wouldn't have made, have. A, but it wouldn't have made a lot of sense, right? Like, how does it still make economic sense? I think the only reason that Insigne coming over and the, a team paying him twelve million dollars makes sense is um, you got to trust the the entire league's revenue sharing that the, the revenue yeah. is going to go up. Yep. Uh, you you have to trust that uh, people are going to return to stadiums and fill <laughs> fill them again. Um, because that's, that hasn't that's hard been a given. Ottawa right now too. Exactly, it's very mm-hmm. difficult, and especially yeah. when you've got restrictions with COVID and all all those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Um, and also, you're banking that there's going to be some serious revenue coming in from this TV deal. Um, so that's, I think, the reason that MLS teams can even justify making this sort of decision. Um, yeah. You know, I, I could talk about David Tepper or or NYCFC. I'll use them as the example. Okay. Uh, you know, because they're they're part of Manchester City Group. Yeah. Right, like they're owned by the Abu Dhabi royal family. Like, there's they're not short for money. If they wanted to burn the cash and bring Leo Messi to to NYCFC, oh, yeah. 
sure, they've got the financial means to do it, and they probably can find a way to turn a profit off of it. Um, that's that's where MLS like has the money there. It's going yeah. to eventually happen. Like right, right now, it's controlled spending. So I, I'm happy that there's some teams that are are going out on that limb still and saying, no, I've we've got to overpay, we got to overspend. It's a lot of money, but hey, let's do it. Let's let yeah. whatever. I, I I lose four million dollars here. Great, right? I the, the reason I was going to talk about David Tepper's. I, I was at the Panthers game on uh, the day after Christmas, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm watching Cam Newton, who's there on like a half season rental. They're like subbing him in and out with Sam Darnold, right? And I'm like ten million dollars. That yep. one quarterback, that one player on the field that David Tepper has on his payroll. Um, he's this entire roster for Charlotte FC. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like it's just a drop in the pond, right? He's going to be okay. He can afford it to, to, to swing and miss. Um, and, and so I think that this Insigne move is is another one of those MLS has some guys that can afford to swing and miss. Um, but for Insigne, right? Like the expectation is you got to be that Javinko for Toronto. Oh yeah. and, And we're talking about MVP, you know, coming into the league, continued success. I mean, they won the Canadian treble, right? Yep. Like, you're, yes, they did. You got Bob Bradley coming over. At one LFC, of the best coaches in the league. Like. One of the best coaches in the league. He he's won at, at, at everywhere he's gone, and yep. uh, ultimately he had the points record with Carlos Vela. So, all right, not now. Insigne is going to have to do the same for Toronto. Can he do it? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not that happens. Is, is there anything else you want to touch on about Toronto and Insigne and MLS and that connected picture? No, I don't think so. I think Toronto, thankfully, after this past season, will be must-watch TV again come the summer. You know, but, oh, I mean, for, I for us, we're going to be watching roster building the rest of this, this offseason. That's going to be one of the best parts is how are they going to build around this money and with salary cap and the guys they have with a team that just was kind of a lot of dead wood last year. Well, and beyond that, right. We're, we're coming into January. We have a very short window yep. before preseason yep. starts. I mean, we're only like 60 days away from the start of the season. Um, not, not even like just under. Um, so how are the other teams going to respond? Right. Like other teams yeah. are going to have to counter this move. If Insigne really is that guy that takes Toronto over the top, uh, I, I don't. I don't think they're the LAFCs, the Seattle's, the Atlantas are going to sit around and just watch it happen. I, mm-hmm. I think that's the difference now is that you're going to have several players in the game that that are going to say, "Oh, wow, uh, we we've got to keep pace." Um, and, and this is a move that could also push the league in that regard uh, in, in terms of other teams having to counteract uh, this sort of move. So yeah, love it. You're right. Love it. So let's move on to some less exciting signings. They're all exciting <laughs> signings, but but they're not as big. Yeah. The, ram, the ramifications right. are not as big. Um, MLS re-entry draft stage two was Yay. completed this week. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, as a reminder, if a player was selected here in uh, stage two, that does not mean that they are on the roster. It means that they uh, they can sign a contract with that club. And the club that selected them currently holds that player's MLS rights. That's the main purpose of drafting a guy in stage two, as opposed to stage one is the MLS rights. So uh, let's just go through, I'm going to list the guys that were picked up and by what team, and then I'll get your take on uh, which ones 
could have the biggest uh, implications for rosters. Okay. Okay. So FC Cincinnati selected uh, left back John Nelson, formerly of FC Dallas. Uh, Colorado Rapids, they selected uh, midfielder Brian Acosta, also FC Dallas. San Jose Earthquakes took Jan Gregus, uh, central defensive midfielder. Uh, Minnesota United took Eric Dick, goalkeeper. Uh, and then Columbus Crew selected Brady Scott. So there they kind of flip-flopped some goalkeepers there. Uh, and then Sporting Kansas City took striker Robert Barrich, formerly of the Chicago Fire. <laughs> and uh, New England Revolution. Uh, or Well, no, that's that was the end of the re-entry draft. We'll stop, we'll yeah. stop there. Let's take a look at those. Okay. First, so uh, those one, two, three, four, five, six signings uh, are guys picked up in re-entry draft stage two. Which ones do you see having the biggest uh, impact on rosters? So uh, the the guys I could see with the biggest impact, uh, I could probably see um, San Jose getting something out of Jan Gregus. Honestly, um, he just kind he fell out of favor with Minnesota pretty well. He's been there since. Well, season one in Minnesota, I think. And he was one of those big Scandinavian pieces that Minnesota was going to be using um, with their scouting network. And it just didn't work out too well. But I think I think there's something there with him. And he is only 30. And Minnesota, or sorry, San Jose, just needs some work and some help in the midfield and depth pieces. And I think Young Gregus could do that. So I don't really see a problem with that kind of move. Also, I just want to say Brady Scott going to Columbus. That's that's just great. He's gonna you know be in a good good setup. He'll probably get loaned out again this year. Um, but uh, Eloy Room uh, before that was Zach Steffen. Like they, Columbus knows how to handle a goalkeeper, and I, I do like that because I'm really still high up on Brady Scott uh, even after he left uh, Cologne in Germany. Yeah, I, I, uh, for me, I agree that the Grey Goose one is an interesting one. Um, I, I think. San Jose uh, is, is a team that uh, we've talked about Almeida's system and style. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Greg Goose really fits Almeida's like man marking system right. so much. Um, but but they also have some good depth already in in midfield. I think it speaks more to Minnesota letting him walk, right? Like Minnesota yeah. also is losing Ozzy Alonso. So, so having Alonso and Greg Goose both mm-hmm. leave in the same offseason uh, is going to leave a pretty big hole there for Minnesota. Um, and, and Greg Goose, I think he, the goal here is for him to step in and be the Magnus Eriksson, right? Like come in here and and be a contributor, be a big body in midfield, have that physical presence. Um, I, I really like his his ability in MLS. Uh, and, and I was kind of shocked to see him leave Minnesota. Um, I, I agree. That's probably the one that I could see being the biggest um, impact here. Uh, and, and then beyond that, obviously, I'm a fan of the Robert Barrich move to, to Sporting yes. Kansas City. Um, I, I think it's creating an interesting little dynamic up top, right? Like Alan Polito has been in and out of the roster. So now you've got Alan Polito, Kyrie Shelton, and Robert Barrich. Uh, you're going to have to find a rotation there. And Barrich in 2020, I think he had 12 goals. He was like second or third yeah. uh, in, in Major League Soccer in 2020. He, he had a really um, good year. He, he had a great year. And and he just was on a, we, we've talked about it before, a dumpster fire of a really roster terrible in Chicago. terrible fire team. Um, I actually had him selected to win the golden boot, obviously swing and miss because he only had eight goals (laughs) this year. Well, but my thinking was who's going to score the goals for Chicago. The only guy is is only him. And, and it kind of, that's what happened. He just didn't score enough of them. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, 33 games, eight goals, two, two assists last year. He's only 30. Um, he's been a DP. So I think both him and Grey Goose were DP level. Um, mm-hmm. but, but part of this whole process of being selected in the re-entry draft is that these guys are out of contract. So you have the opportunity to renegotiate a contract. So in theory, these teams can negotiate, get them below uh the dp threshold obviously there's no transfer fees related so that can play a big part in getting them below the dp threshold um so yeah interesting little move here uh for for those guys Uh, the the goalkeepers that we talked about um yeah brady scott eric dick not big moves i'm I'm not expecting big minutes there well no neither of them are going to play this year no, John Nelson. I think he's a good pickup for Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, that that's that's one that probably um, he's going to get some starting minutes there. Um, yeah. and, and, and they, a, they need it. And Acosta is a big name. Like ultimately, yeah, like he's he's yeah. been a big player for FC Dallas. Uh, so now we're going to have two Acostas in the midfield for for FC Dallas. <laughs> I kind of like that. Going to have to get used to that. Uh, two I, I two former Dallas midfielders playing in the Colorado midfield now. That's right. That's, well, and that's and, exciting. And this is fitting the the Colorado model, right? Where they're they're yeah. taking guys that are MLS proven talents, maybe mm-hmm. some guys that that are missing out on opportunities, want to take that next step. Uh, both them and Montreal are kind of doing this, and, and I'm yes. sure we'll talk a little bit about Montreal here in a minute. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I like the move for Colorado in in t- picking up Brian Acosta. Um, let's talk about a couple of the other moves here, uh, real quickly. Uh, while we're talking about goalkeepers, obviously you're our resident goalkeeper, uh, Brad Knighton, uh, re-signs from free agency with new England. So stays in new England. I thought he might end up being a guy that would come to Charlotte cause he's a Carolina boy. Um, but yeah, 36 year old been with new England since 2014. Um, sol- solid. He's, he's had starting minutes with new England. Right. So, so yep. what do you think about Brad Knighton sticking it out he's- in goal in there? Yeah, he he's just he's a really solid um, backup. Honestly, like he's if I had like a backup, he'd probably be the guy I'd be looking for. Matt Turner is obviously like just a really strong starter, and you're not going to get a lot of time uh, unless there was like an injury or there's just a bunch of games back to back kind of thing. You're probably not going to get much playing time. And, and Brad Knighton, I think, acknowledges that acknowledges that it's a very very good team in New England, and he wants to be a part of that. And I think that's really good. And he'll, you know, he'll be fine. You know, he'll, he'll be getting those USOC minutes and, you know, spot game here or there. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you can kind of, uh, if you're okay with that, I would take that and be with, um, be with the revs for another season. How long did they resign him for? Do we know? I don't, I don't remember. I think think it's a year, but that's, that's fine. Like that's, that's honestly really good. Like him, Earl Edwards Jr. Like and Matt Turner. That's a solid goalkeeping core. Well, yeah. Well, and I, I don't remember. Did we talk last episode about uh, the other moves that New England's been making, like bringing in Legette? Oh. Did we talk? I about think that? I think we talked about Legette. I think. I'm not. It seems like something we would have talked about. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it, but I'm not recalling it, and that's why I feel weird, and I'm not seeing it in the notes. So, so Sebastian uh, Legette is on New England. <laughs> <laughs> yes just just so you guys know they're making some moves they're, they're doing some Big things moves. to supplement the roster uh and, and i think that's the big thing here with knighton is is that you're getting guys that are keeping the core together uh that's keeping that stability and, and for new england you know we're talking about toronto bringing in insigne uh new england if it's not broke don't fix it right exactly uh, best you, team you want, in mls like 
you, you want to supplement it. You want to, you want to do yes. those things to keep things interesting, keep competition up uh, and, and push the team forward. Um, so yeah, this, this is a good one, Brad Knight. And you did, you didn't just create a hole. You, you kept uh, uh, something that was already working and, and you're continuing that. So Absolutely. good there. Um, so let's talk about some of the other larger moves uh, that have, that have happened here this past week. Um, let's jump to Philadelphia. Philadelphia acquired striker Julian Carranza on loan from Inter Miami for 2022 with an option to buy. So I love these interleague trades that happen. Um, he's been with Miami since 2019 and he spent 2021 not really playing soccer due to Miami having too many DPs, like five DPs on their roster that they needed to get off the books. So uh, Carranza was one of the victims of Miami's uh, mismanagement. So, uh, this is a guy that didn't quite pan out in Miami um, and was a very highly touted prospect coming into MLS. Yep. So for Carranza to go now to Philadelphia Union, it's an interesting thing because there's quite a few strikers uh, on Philly's roster. You've got Sergio Santos, Casper Shabilko, Corey Burke, and there's a lot of Philadelphia Union fans that have been calling for a big name striker to be brought in to try yep. and ultimately fill take that next step for their franchise does Carranza do that for you and what does it mean for Philadelphia's roster build like are some of these other guys potentially going to be on the move is Carranza a starter is this just a holdover what are your takes so it's it's tough because you know Philly wants that next big guy and you're getting a 21 year old who didn't get to play last season because Miami doesn't know how to handle a roster and that's that's tough but you're getting a guy on a you know, a really good deal at the end of the day who who was 19 when he came to MLS, got to play 2019, right? 2019, 2020. And yep. we'll just kind of see how it goes. I, it's kind of tough. Like, um, it, I assume he'll be on it like one of the young DP contracts in Philly, but so, someone's probably going to have to go. One of those strikers, Casper, uh, 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 I, I can never say his last name. Shabilko. Shabilko, yes. Yeah, he's, you know, he had a really good season last year, including uh, a really good goal scoring record in the CCL. So he, he'll probably stick around. And so it'll come down to who are you going to lose, um, Sergi Santos or, or Corey Burke. And it's, yeah, that, that's a tough uh, way to do it at the end of the day. I don't see it as a problem, but I don't see it as a solution. This isn't like the guy who's going to fix all your problems in Philadelphia who's going to just come in and score you know, 10 plus goals right away. He, he could, he very well could, but it's moving from Miami to Philadelphia after barely playing soccer last year. And that's going to be hard. And so there's going to be that, that period of just getting used to it again and, and getting back into the swing of things. And maybe he, he loves it there. And, and uh, Jim Curtin's a great coach. So maybe he does. And he just takes off well. And that's what I would hope for him. Uh, for Miami, you got, you got a DP off the books. And that's good for you, I guess. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, but maybe they don't re-sign him though. Like, and then he goes back to Miami at the end of his loan, and you look bad again. Well, I mean, I think that's the big thing, right? Like, I think Ernst Tanner and Philadelphia have proven to be very savvy in in MLS oh, yeah. and in, in navigating roster builds. I think that's the big thing here is you're getting Carranza that Miami paid a pretty steep sum for. Um, they, they, they had to obviously make the transfer fee. He, I believe he's a young de designated player. Um, so getting him on loan, uh, it's a little bit easier pill to swallow. 
Yep. Uh, and, and I think you're giving a player that has a high ceiling, uh, a, a change of environment and putting him into a winning culture. So for Philadelphia, I think it's a great move. I, I think it's something where uh, if they find that little gem, uh, you know, and and it's the misfortunes of Miami, like, great, you get to take a flyer on a guy. Uh, doesn't hurt your roster build, really. Um, if, if it works out, you've got the buy option already there. So you can snap that up. And at, at that point, obviously, the transfer fee is coming off. So I'm assuming he would probably drop below the young designated player uh, mm-hmm. hold for for Philadelphia it's great for them they get to try him out for a year see what happens and it creates a little bit of um a situation where we're talking about all these guys Corey Burke Sergio Santos Casper Shabilko maybe those guys are now dispensable right we were talking about where they, they need to mix some things up there so uh the question is going to be what does Ernst Tanner do the rest of this offseason uh with those guys personally I I I've been taking a look at Casper Shabilko as a target for Charlotte FC and, and I'd like to go on the record with that here. Um, the reason being, Charlotte FC uh, is very thin right now on uh, attacking talent. Right now, Jordi Reyna is their uh, pre- pretty much all of their MLS goal output. It's exciting. <laughs> um, and, and then they've got 19-year-old Vinicius Mello. Like, they don't have mm-hmm. a lot in the attack. So uh, what they do have is they have $2.3 million of GAM that should still be available to them. Um, but they're running out of international roster spots. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I do think that plays a factor here because Casper Shabilko does have his green card. And I think he's the kind of guy that a team like Charlotte that has this $2.3 million of GAM, they're going to have to find domestic MLS talent that they trade that GAM for, in my opinion. They're going to have to have some of those million to million and a half big GAM trades to get an MLS starter. Casper mm-hmm. Shabilko is the kind of guy that I could see Philadelphia letting go, wanting to move on from, maybe still bring in somebody else, and ultimately they can supplement the rest of their roster with that allocation money. Well, now he's more dispensable. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the Charlotte moves. But uh, I, I could see maybe this Julian Carranza thing having an impact on Charlotte, just throwing it out there. I like that. That's yeah. that's interesting, actually. So, um Let's move on to some other moves and we'll circle circle back to Charlotte because I, I just always like talking Charlotte. Atlanta yeah. United have acquired Ozzy Alonso in free agency. This is a weird one for me. Um, it was weird enough seeing Ozzy Alonso go from yeah. Seattle to Minnesota. Um, he, he's 36 years old. He's got some, some crazy like 440 career games across Seattle, Minnesota, Charleston Battery, and Pinar Del Rio according to the notes, um, <laughs> arguably the best designated, uh, the, excuse me, the arguably the greatest uh, defensive midfielder in MLS history. Yeah. Th- this is, this is an interesting one because there's a lot of D mids on Atlanta's roster already with Santiago Sosa, Franco Abaro, uh, 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 and also Amar Sejdik. So Ozzy Alonso comes into the mix. You'd think he's probably still good for 1500, 2000 minutes or so. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of this move? Is is this like a Justin Merrim to RSL? Like, like does this elevate Atlanta in some way? Is this a good move for for Ozzy Alonso? What what, what was your takes when you saw this move happen? Honestly, so I, I've been a big Ozzy fan since I started watching, you know, the league, and it, it is kind of, it's kind of a weird move because, like you said, there's you know already three D mids on Atlanta's roster who are younger. 
and can play more games and are still figuring out the league. And so I wonder if Aussie's kind of there as like that that stopgap that that like give it an extra year in between while these guys are still getting up to speed, still figuring it out, and he can kind of teach them and like why wouldn't you want to learn from the best D mid to play on MLS? Like I think that's that's fantastic and you're very lucky to to be able to do that. It's it's um I don't know, I think we'll kind of be able to judge this more at the end of this season as uh as it goes. I, I don't expect him to start every game. I don't expect him to start 75% of the games, but I expect him to be on the bench and be a ready option and to get these younger guys ready to play in MLS or to sell on eventually. Yeah, I think it's a culture move, right? Yeah. Like to me, this is the sort of guy that you bring in, like you were talking about, like somebody that's a locker room presence. You bring a certain mentality to the team, uh, a certain on-field mentality, right? Like he's very hard-nosed, uh, you know, aggressive. Um, I, he, he's one of those guys that leads by example on the field, mm-hmm. right? Like like wears his uh, heart on his sleeve. And uh, I, I think that's the sort of guy you need in every single locker room. So for Atlanta, I like it in those regards and that you're getting that MLS uh, personality uh, and edge. And, and I think that's a good thing to, to that's going to fit in with Atlanta style. Um, yeah. I think also what I find interesting in it is I'm going to talk about the other side of MLS that, that sometimes is drawn into question, and that's these teams having turf fields, right? You've got oh, a, 30, yeah. a 36-year-old defensive midfielder, a guy that has to be pretty rough on, on those uh, fields that played in a, in a long career in Seattle on turf, and now he's going to Atlanta with turf. Um, I think it speaks volumes that some of these players, it's a non-factor. Um I, I think you could look at it and be like, oh, 36, and he's going to play on turf. And, oh, do you really want to do that? Are you going to have some major injury? Can can your needs hold up on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the technology is developing to the point where it's it's a nothing burger. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to call that out because yeah. I, I think it's something that uh, often we talk about as like a, a talking point with turf. And, and I think it's not as much of an issue as uh, – and, and maybe we, we should have some players that talk to it. But – uh, to me, right. I, I don't think it's as big of a deal as some people make it out to be. Yeah, the only real remember or remembrance of anyone talking about turf was wasn't Drogba when he played for Montreal. He refused to play on turf. That was Drogba, like his think, big think, thing. Yeah, Drogba. I think Zlatan did the same thing. I think there were some yeah. times where he would travel and and they wouldn't have him on the turf. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess, but like Ozzy's been like you said, been playing on Seattle's turf field for years, and then Minnesota was grass. But yeah, now going to Atlanta, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to affect him. I think that dude's just crazy and will just play wherever because he loves that game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let's jump to it. This This is a pretty good one. I'm, I'm excited to yeah. talk about this. Uh, Montreal, Club to Foot Montreal, rest in peace, Impact, uh, have acquired right back Alistair Johnston from Nashville SC for a million in game. Uh, pretty big move for a guy that big was move. a super draft pick for Nashville. This is a guy that was drafted Love in 2020 at, at 11th overall was a quality quality right back for Nashville, a, a team obviously that we talked about in their first two seasons how they were were a respectable club, had some deep playoff runs and uh Alistair Johnson was a big part of that. He's developed into a a, a regular right back for the Canadian national team. He's still only 23 years old. But he's got 49 games uh, in MLS under his belt now. Um, 
I think he's one of the better young fullbacks in MLS. And this is a pretty interesting one. Um, first of all, Nashville being willing to, to let him go, uh, but also getting a return of a million, a million in GAM for Alistair that's Johnston. Money. That's, that's big money. Uh, and we were just talking about uh, Colorado and taking talent from within MLS. Montreal is doing the same thing, right? Like this is the Kamal Miller, Georgie Mihailovic. Yep. Uh, they're continuing that trend in picking up Alistair Johnston. Uh, and and I, I love the move for both sides, right? Like for, for Nashville, they are loaded up with allocation money because uh, we've talked about their um, – on pre- past episodes, how they're selling. They just got a million in GAM for all of their international roster spots. They traded four of them for a million. Now they trade Alistair Johnson for a million. Mm-hmm. So that's two million there. That's a lot of GAM. And you start with 1.625. So all of a sudden, Nashville is sitting on like 3.6 million of GAM mm-hmm. uh, and, and just kind of collecting more and more of it on a roster that is very domestic heavy. It's pretty intriguing what they're doing right now. Uh, definitely a different type, sort of roster build for Nashville. Love it for them. Hopefully they can replace Alistair Johnson. Um, but then for Montreal, uh, Alistair Johnson is going to fit in great with their back three that Wilfred Nancy wants to do. Um, I, I think for both sides, this is a win-win um, and a, a very interesting move for the offseason uh, that we could be talking about. I, I think this one could have some, some serious uh, ramifications uh, in the league. Yeah, do you, do you ever just sit there and it, it's kind of like in like the superhero movies where everything's quiet, then the ground kind of shakes and you go, I think something's going to happen. And it's like some Nashville's got a lot of money just banked up right now. Something's going to happen, right? Like Nashville's been looking to make that next step. They've been solid defensively for both seasons, but they just they've struggled besides Hani Mukhtar to, to really put the ball in the net to to get that transition from midfield to to the attacking third and maybe this is what they do is they take some of that money and they go to another MLS team and try to get someone like it. I think they could be making a big move, but, and like you said, Montreal, this is just a massive move, bringing a Canadian international back to Canada. Um, and he's just gonna, he's going to fit in so well. And that it's kind of, it's really nice to see from their, their point of view. I think they're going to have a really good player on their hands, especially in a few more years. Like that, that's a guy who's going to the world cup like more likely than not uh, next, next winter. Well, and finding value in the super draft. Like that's going to be one of my big, like we're coming up on the best. super draft on, on January best. 11th. Right. Yep. Um, it, I think that's huge for Nashville in that they got quality minutes out of Alistair Johnson developed him. Uh, I mean, this is 11th overall, like you're, you're, 11th you're, overall, like there's 10 teams that passed over Alistair Johnston. And, and now yep. you, you got quality minutes out of him on a good MLS roster and you get a return of a million gam. One heck of a pickup in the super draft from Nashville. Like, not to be uh, un- undernoted, that is significant good business from Mike Jacobs in Nashville. Um, yeah. and, and and so, and, and you see, he's trading away these allocations or the, the international roster spots. Um, there, there's some money ball happening there. Um, and, and also, you've, we've seen this is a team that. Their foundation has been defense. You got Hani Mukhtar there, who who was an under the radar DP signing. People didn't mm-hmm. think that much of it. And then he turns into basically MVP level uh, in in his second season. Nashville consistent right out of the gates as an expansion team, okay. being savvy uh, in in their roster building. They're a story to be had, and and I think this is a move that plays into that narrative. 
A hundred percent. A couple other moves to discuss. Let's talk about Austin FC. Uh, they are, are kind of on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, a expansion team that struggled a bit. Um, they acquired striker Maxi Rudy in free agency. 30-year-old, uh, 338 career games, uh, which includes 83 career goals. I'm surprised it's that many, actually. 83 yeah. career goals <laughs> and 34 career assists. Um, he is the first player to play for all of the Tejas teams. So he has played for the Houston Dynamo. He has played for FC Dallas, and he is now going to play for Austin FC. Um, he did have seven goals in 30 games. He started really, really hot. That's kind of a story on Maxi Rudy. Mm. Like, he starts really, really hot. Like, I think the past two seasons, he's had, like, two or two to four goals in the first, like, three weeks of the season. And, like, is among the league leader. And then it all, like, crumbles <laughs> and goes downhill. Um he, he joins Danny Hooson and um, Musa Jitte uh, as the strikers for Austin. Um, it's an interesting move for them. It's an interesting move for Maxi. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts seeing Maxi go to Austin? It's, pro- it's probably a good move for Maxi. He'll probably get some good minutes. But I don't know. It Was this like, this is Austin's, you know, like it's a free agent move. But, like that's a big move getting a guy who's played this many games in MLS. But what are you going to get out of him? Like you said, like he starts hot and then, you know, eight goals and oh, seven goals in 30 games this past year. Maybe, maybe it was the lack of service. It's not like Houston was a very good team last year, but you know, maybe if Austin gives him the service, he'll be able to put the ball in the net. It's going to be hard. And I don't know if this is the kind of move um, that Austin needed, but they did need to make moves. And, and at the end of the day, I don't know. I guess it could have been worse. You got him on free. So that's good. I, I don't know. I'm not super high on Maxi Rudy, so I'm probably not the person to ask. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think it moves the needle a lot. I think this is the Danny Houston replacement, right? Yeah. Like, like Houston only had five games before he got hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this may signal that there may still be some lingering things going on there. Um, so for Maxi, I mean, I guess you need a guy that can come off the bench and and do something because yeah. Jitte should be the, the starter. And, and I right. But there's not a lot of goals coming from up top for them. Um, so so Maxi, he's, he's not going to solve that. Uh, but but is he going to give you serviceable minutes? Yes. Is he going to give you energy off the bench? Yes. Can he press? Can he play in a 4-3-3? Yes. These are all things that Maxi will check the box on. Um, and, and we just talked about Ozzy Alonso, right? You're, you're getting somebody with yeah. MLS experience. You're getting somebody that's used to that, that, that can contribute in the locker room. Um, obviously he's been all around in Texas, so he likes all Texas. around Texas. <laughs> uh, so for you, Rudy, great. You could stay in Texas. Uh, and, and I think Austin is, is the sort of market, obviously <laughs> their expansion year, uh, they, they, the fans stuck around through everything. Yeah. So they'll embrace him. Uh, maybe it's just a change of scenery is what he needs. Um, yeah. and, and maybe Austin's going to be the place that he can take that next step. Um, 30 years old, you're, you're, you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, you're, you're, you're good for, if you can get eight to 10 goals from, from your Rudy, call it a victory. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, so we said we were going to talk about Charlotte FC. So let's get jump back into Charlotte FC and their their big move um, that occurred, which was acquiring goalkeeper Christian Kalina from the Bulgarian First Division side uh, Ludogorets, 29 year old goalkeeper. Um, he's he's got some experience in the Bulgarian First Division. He's he's Croatian. Um, so we'll talk about once again his international status here in just a second. Um, he, he had some experience playing in the Bulgarian Super Cup. 
in Champions League qualifying, in Europa League. Um, and, and he joins Pablo Cisniega uh, as the goalkeeping core of Charlotte FC. He signed through 2024 with an option for 2025. Uh, so this is a long-term play for yes. Charlotte FC. Um, I'll, I'll get my take on it first. Um, I, I, sa- I said he's Croatian, so he's going to take up an international roster spot. That is now going to be 10 of 11 spots spoken for for Charlotte FC. I say 11 because they just acquired an additional one from your DC United. Um, they have now yeah. they have now spent $750,000 for three international roster spots. Um, so the 250 was already a record. They've now done it three times over. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the going rate this offseason for these international roster spots. Um and there was a question in, in the, the chat that, that was asking, um, you know, Charlotte going all in on international slots. And can that work long term when you have to trade for them every year? Um, my take on it is that there are 10 of 11 right now, uh, but those guys are going to need to come off the books as internationals uh, for yep. this to ultimately pan out for Charlotte FC. Uh, They're in the process of working on uh, clearing international roster spots by securing green cards for Anton walks for Jordi Reyna. Uh, I'm pretty sure for Sergio Ruiz and for uh, also Riley McGree. That's the reason that some of these guys were signed so early on. Um, and, and some of these guys that they picked up in uh, free agency and in the uh, expansion draft were that they were well down the road on securing their uh, green cards. So is it a concern my my concern, my only concern that I've got in spending seven hundred fifty thousand of allocation money on that is that it is a an expiring asset, right? So uh, once you use it, it's it's done, right? Like it, the international roster spot's gone. If you poured seven hundred fifty thousand into a player, uh, that player is going to stick around. Um, so I I think maybe Charlotte FC is viewing that as like. I think the numbers line up if you look at it in that the two trades for allocation money on the expansion draft for Tristan Blackman and Ishmael Tujuri Shradi, those totaled 750000 this year. They basically flipped those two guys and said, okay, instead of picking up two players in the expansion draft that may or may not contribute to the roster, we would rather take those two spots and convert that into international roster spot flexibility. We feel and trust our scouting to go and select three players that will have a greater long-term impact on our roster. So that's where I like the move in that the team is saying, as long as they're right on it, I trust my scouting and I trust who I'm going to sign. Let me go do this with these picks instead. That's, that's, I think the apples, the apples move. Um, Now spending 250,000 of gam on an unproven 29-year-old that's not already starting game in and game out in the Bulgarian first division is a little bit mm. concerning. Um, I think you can spend 250 within MLS and find a pretty consistent, reliable goalkeeper. Yes. Are you going to find your starter for the next four or five years? Probably not. Um, and, and you're not going to get like a Tyler Miller for 250,000 gam. So it's a low spend. Um, I'm going to really like it if they can eventually secure a green card for him. Um, that he's, It's not forever taking up that international roster spot. 
Um, it's definitely a different way of going about business, right? Like Charlotte FC is valuing international players. Um, but I think that's the thing to, to also keep in mind here is there's a lot of MLS teams that have more than 11 guys that would start out as international roster spots. Right. They secure green cards for them, get them off the books for that. And it's, it's a non-issue. Yeah. There, are, there are other teams in MLS with 15 or 16 guys that without their green cards would be, would be taking up international roster spots. So as long as they're doing that process and are going to secure those in a timely manner and not strap themselves down in their roster build, I'm okay with it as long as long as they're right in their scouting. Um, and, and that's my only concern here with, with Kalina. I, and I did try watching some game film on him. Um, he's a big guy, uh, very physical. Like, like he's not tall. He's six foot two, um, but he is built. I mean, he is like a, a, a Mac like a wall of a man. Like he is a wall. <laughs> Ooh, um, I like it. 29, right? Like I think okay. at his age, he, he can be a good leader. He, he's worn, worn the captain's armband for his clubs. Uh, I think he played 150 straight games uh, for, for the Croatian side that he was with uh, before he made the move over uh, to Luda Goretz. So yeah, the guy's won some. Uh, he's a, an okay shot stopper from the looks of it. I think he's like in the 70% save percentage, which is it's good in MLS. Not bad. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. Um, he, he seems very comfortable to play with his feet from what I watched on film. He, he likes playing it short, but he has the ability to ping it. I mean, he can hit a mm. ball 70 to 75 yards and, and clear lines. Uh, and he does it with not a lot. Like he's, as I said, he's built, like he is a muscular guy. Uh, what I noticed is that he could launch a ball without a lot of lead up to that kick. So I think there's going to be some transition moments where Charlotte FC is going to look to clear the line, go play into space. And he will absolutely be able to do that. That's the big thing for Charlotte FC right now is yep. that they're talking about the ability to play Miguel Angel Ramirez's game model. And Kalina fits that apparently. So <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. I'm not too concerned about the international roster spots as long as they clear some up. That's my take. I, now, yeah. I'm assuming you don't know a lot about Kalina, correct? About about the Bulgarian goalkeeper? No, I don't. Um, what I will say on the roster spots uh, issue is that I recall this exact same thing happening with Atlanta when Atlanta came into the league. Is we're all kind of going, man, are these guys going to get these green cards sorted out? And, and I also remember Atlanta was very good at getting them done like that. Like it was just kind of like. Uh, like some guy's job, and he, he was just super good at it. So I'm, I would, yeah, I'm, I'm with Yvonne. I probably wouldn't be too concerned. Like things are gonna kind of move in the right direction. And you know, if they found their starting goalkeeper and a guy who is the backup on the Bulgarian side, you know, that's that's all right too. He's got Champions League uh, experience. That's not bad. Like realistically, that's not bad. Well, and once again, like I can justify it, right? In that I can say, okay, they spent seven hundred fifty thousand in allocation money. Yeah. That they that they traded for in the expansion draft. Yes. If you traded seven hundred fifty, it, it, it's free money. But if you if you spent seven hundred fifty thousand and traded that for a player in MLS, mm -hmm. like I said, you wouldn't even get Tyler Miller for seven fifty probably oh. today. Now, granted, Minnesota was able to get him from LAFC for like two fifty. So I don't know, maybe the five hundred to seven fifty. But when we're talking about Alistair Johnson, a, a proven starter that's young, twenty three. Going Man. for a million of GAM, I think it's it. 
and, and teams know expansion teams have money. I think it would be very challenging for MLS to, to really get that guy for 750,000. So they're valuing, as I said, the draft, uh, they, they, they flipped those picks for allocation money and took that allocation money for roster flexibility in signing internationals and trusting their uh, scouting department. Right. No, I think, I think Charlotte's going to be fun. It. Yeah. I think Charlotte's going to be fun to watch. It also, it helps that you're convincing me every week to really want to watch Charlotte play. So, well, well, my big thing is I, I still look at the roster and I think there's still four or five starters away from, Definitely. from their roster being done. Right. Yeah. Like, I said they should still have, by my math, 2.3 million GAM in the in the bank. They should still have 2.8 million DTAM. Uh, they they do only have one international roster spot, so you've either got to open up some. Uh, now, if they open up some, they then have the ability to trade some, right? So there's some other clubs that could yeah. theoretically buy those back. Um, but then you also uh, have the ability to go and sign more players. And if you got all that allocation money, I think they still have to yeah. fill their front three. I think they still could bring in another midfielder. I think they still could bring in another center back potentially. Um, th this roster is not done. And, and I think this first week and a half in January, I think between January 1st and January 10th could really be barn burner. I, I think a blockbuster, like you, like you were talking about for Nashville and what they're yeah. up to. Uh, I, I think that Charlotte FC and Nashville are two teams that are, they are primed to make massive massive moves for big allocation money trades and there's still a lot of these other teams there's still a lot of allocation money sitting out there so uh i i think that it's going to be very interesting uh we're, we're going to have these episodes that are talking about nothing but roster moves and it's going to be a lot of fun yes so anything else you want to touch on in this episode before we shut up shop no i'm i'm good all right Fantastic. Well, this was a lot of fun. We missed yes. having uh, Tom and Jason with us today, uh, but it was a blast chatting some MLS moves with you, Sam. Um, I, I think this is a wonderful way to wrap up 2021 and enter 2022. So I uh, hope you have a wonderful New Year's. Uh, you as well. And, and, and to all the listeners out there, hope you do as well and uh, that you follow and support MLS Aces in the new year. And uh, to all of you out there, uh, it, it's just around the corner. Uh, all stay safe, stay well, and uh, we'll see you in 2022.